All right, welcome in, Andrew Allen Show. Episode, I don't remember, 12? 13? Something like that. Wednesday night show now, as I've mentioned. September 27th, 8.26 p.m. Um, big news today. Today's not an emergency pod, but big news today in the NBA world. We'll obviously talk about the Vikings, unfortunately. Um and the NFL in general, and Twins Clinch. So, um, yeah, this episode is presented by um, Sun Chips Garden Salsa, which absolutely bang. Um, but, yeah, let's get started. All right. Twins have clinched the division. We knew it happened. Sort of stopped talking about them for the past few weeks because kind of knew it was going to happen. Um clinched it i don't even remember what day that was it was relatively it was late last week i think or over the weekend something like that um they won again today i think they're either very close to the total win wins for the year or they're over it um are they playing a double header today or was that yesterday that they won am i stupid did I make that up? Well, they won yesterday. Oh, well, they're winning right now, so whatever. Um, these are all blended together. Anyway, um, the big news, we'll probably do a bit of a... Wait, let me think. Oh, I don't know if I'm going to... Hmm. Do a bit of a postseason preview, but I don't know if that's going to work because the games might start by the time the next episode happens. So um, maybe I'll release a standalone pod on Sunday or something because um, I haven't done any look into it for right now. Um, real quick, though. All of a sudden, the bullpen isn't bad anymore. Chris Paddock is back, throwing 97. He's been gone for like two years now with the with the UCL issue. Um, he's back, so back. He hasn't been perfect, but he looks lively. Get him in the game a bunch of times. He'll be, we'll be all right there, I think. Um, Brock Stewart, back, so back. I got to be honest, I don't know that much about Brock Stewart. I just know that he's better than what we got a lot of other places. Um, Kent Maeda is probably going to go to the bullpen, which he's at least reliable, or maybe that's going to be Joe Ryan. We'll see. He's at least capable-ish. Cody Funderburk has been decent. Um, How any of these do in high leverage postseason innings, we'll see. But the issue of the bullpen being so horrible all year isn't as bad as it finally now that we're actually getting to playoffs, it isn't as bad as it has been. Because some guys that were gone away from long, long, sort of season-long, multiple season-long injuries are all of a sudden back, and it's like well, we almost forgot about them, but they're back. And so um, that will be nice. Injuries in the offensive side of the ball also seem to be doing all right. Byron Buxton is in simulated game 
Royce Lewis was playing in a simulated game. Um, those are both good signs. Royce Lewis, honestly, is more important to the team right now than Byron Buxton is. Um, by far, he just can't stop hitting grand slams, and Byron Buxton hasn't really hit or played center field in over a year. So um, we're not all that interested in him. But Royce Lewis is probably the big piece that we need to have back. Um, Correa as well has been dealing with plantar fasciitis, fasciitis, uridosoclitis, um, all year, and just recently went on the IL for it. He seems to be back now, too. Is this good enough for him? Is he back enough that it's no longer an issue, is maybe the question, or is he back enough to where he was all year, where it's just a lingering sort of annoyance thing and then why he's hitting like 240 um so that i feel like is the big question if all of a sudden he's just fine now that he rested for a couple weeks that'd be great maybe that's wishful thinking um and i'm getting too hopeful for the things but um yeah i think um if all those guys can be ready and again i don't really care about buxton because he's not good at baseball anymore um all of a sudden, this team, even though it, you know we're going to be in only because we won the worst division in baseball history, I don't know if that's actually true um, in terms of the history part, but um, won the worst division in baseball. That's the only reason we're in the playoffs. That's true. But if some of these guys get back and are playing well, if the bullpen isn't as bad as it has been, if Pablo Lopez is still pitching well and Sunday Gray pitches well, um, we can... I don't hate it. I don't hate it. I feel more confident than I was halfway through the year um, when I was like, oh, this team's nothing. And I, maybe that's just because now I'm getting excited because it's getting close. But I think there's something there here. There's something. Maybe we win a game, you know? It's been 18 years since we won a game. Maybe we win a game this time, let alone a series. We'll see. It seems like the um, – let me see. Right now, the third wildcard team is Seattle, who are 85 and 72. Houston is 86 and 72, so obviously just a half game there. Um, it's going to be, oh shit, sorry, that's my bad. Houston is in the third wildcard slot at 86 and 72. Seattle is right just outside of that. So right now, Seattle is outside looking in on the playoffs. Houston is in the last spot. Toronto is 87 and 70. They're probably in the second wildcard slot pretty comfortably at this point. I mean, a game and a half is what it is, but um, I believe Houston's also like very close to the Rangers in terms of the division. So anybody from the NL West or AL West, we could be playing. Um, but likely, okay, Texas is a two point two and a half game lead right now. So Houston and Seattle are going to be one of those options. I'd love to play Seattle over Houston. I know that Houston team isn't the same as it was. Um, but you see the Houston Astros in the playoffs post 2015 or whatever, 2017 or whenever they got good. And it's just not good news for you. It just never has been, um, 2020 COVID year that they're who swept us right out of the playoffs, um, that year. And that time it was a Houston team that was down. It barely snuck into the playoffs. You know, the whole they're not hitting trash cans anymore, all this other stuff, and they cooked our shit all the way to the World Series. Um, and then lost the Dodgers. But um, so I don't absolutely do not want to see Houston. 
Seattle hasn't been in the playoffs in forever. They have star power with Julio Rodriguez, obviously. They're a good baseball team, but I think we like swept them or took two or three, three or four at some point in the that would have been like July, August, maybe somewhere in there. Um and they were a worse baseball team then than they are now. But we we were too, you know. We're a better team now than we were then. So um I give us a real good chance against Seattle. I'm scared about Houston, even if they're supposedly just as bad as Seattle. I'm scared. They're, they're scared. You don't want to see that block H in the playoffs. That's that's all. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. Um, we'll do a little um, – maybe I'll get David Youngs from Twins Daily and the on the postseason – on the postseason twins preview. That's that'd be that'd be interesting. I don't know if it's the direction I want to take the pod, but um it'd be interesting. Anyway, um shout out uh Goose and David Youngs. Um that's twins talk for now. Stay tuned, there might be more. It'll be fun to watch those games though for sure. Um real quick, let's talk about Dame to Milwaukee before we get into the, the Vikings. Um let me look up this trade so I'm not just saying it off the top of my head. Um, so I'll start just saying it off the top of my head while I look it up. Damian Lillard to Milwaukee. Um, DeAndre Ayton to... It's a three-team trade. Bucks, Blazers, and Suns. Um, DeAndre Ayton to Portland, I believe Drew Holiday to Phoenix. Did I make that up? Let me just look it up. Dame trade. Can we get... Can somebody show me the... All right, here we go, here we go. All right, so the Bucks get Damian Lillard. That's it. Oh, okay, I got it wrong. Classic. Um, Blazers get Drew Holiday, DeAndre Ayton... Tumani Kamara and a 2029 first round pick. So there's some eighth graders out there that are going to be picked by the Blazers with that one. Um, the Suns receive Yusuf Nurkic, Grayson Allen, Nas Little, and Keon Johnson. Um, and they gave up to get that DeAndre Ayton, basically. Um, yeah. I um we'll break it down team by team because I'm an NBA expert like that. Um let's start with the Bucks. That's obviously the he's the big the best player in the team or best player in the trade is going to the Bucks. Um that's Damian Lillard, obviously. Um actually that's not that obvious, so I'll get into it. Um on paper, you put Damian Lillard with Giannis and Dedekumpo in one offense. And it looks very good. And I think on the offensive end in general, it is very good. Um, Giannis is one of the best players in the NBA. And he has like very little offensive bag. It's not a lot of dribble moves. Not even a lot of post-up moves. Um, can't really get by anybody. He's a hard person to get by in general, you know, as wide and tall and huge as he is. It's just getting by people. It's not really his bag, but having an elite offensive player and an elite floor stretcher in Damian Lillard is going to open up things for Giannis that we haven't seen to this point yet. 
Um, Giannis is a guy that operates in space better than any player in the league other than LeBron James. And so on fast break, Giannis is, I mean, he's the best fast break, best fast break player maybe in the history of the game um, in terms of just like getting downhill with his long legs. He can cover half the floor in five steps and just dunking. That's the type of player that Giannis is. Um, and even when he's forced to play in, in the half court, he kind of just like hitches around and dribbles around and backs up until he can like run at the opponent and try to create a little mini half court fast break for himself. That's like his offensive game pretty much. Um, that and like offensive rebounds and just trying to make shit happen down there. But he doesn't have like a real developed back to the basket, basket post move, little sky hook, little turnarounds. He doesn't have a lot of that, honestly. Um, so in my mind, and again, I'm not like a basketball X's and O's expert, but this makes sense in my mind, and I feel like it'll make sense when I say it out loud. Putting Dame in the pick and roll with Giannis as the pick is going to be just just torture for defenders. Because if you come out and get Giannis, all of a sudden Dame can both roll into that space that you leave behind because Giannis is taking the biggest defender. Or Giannis can again roll off of it, take a full head of steam at the basket, and all of a sudden you got a big and and the best big in the game at doing this, getting a big with a full head of steam running right to the rim. That's the type of guy that Giannis, that's like exactly what he wants. If you play under, Dame will knock it down in your mouth from literally any distance. You could set the pick up pick and roll up like two feet behind the three point line. Could even do it six feet behind the three point line and Dame is comfortable taking that shot, all of a sudden you're giving Giannis these little mini half-court fast breaks that he wants. And I just I imagine that just being hell for defenders. Um, so I think that'll be good. Drew Holiday is way better than anybody believes. He's one of the best defensive players in the league. I think he won or he got robbed a defensive player of the year by Marcus Smart last year or something like that. Um and Damian Lillard is not a good defender. So they are going to get scored on much more than they were in the past. Um, but that being said, Damian Lillard is playing with defensive players that are better than anybody's played for, played with on that end. So he played with Nurkic in Portland. He's fine. Um, but Brooke Lopez is good. Obviously, Giannis is all-world at defense. So maybe he'll try better to fit into that type of scheme. Or not not scheme, but maybe he'll try to fit better in the defense, do more for the defense because he, you know, there's people around him that are, I don't know, that's, you're just kind of making shit up and hoping that's going to happen. On ball, he's not very good. Um, he's not quick like he used to be and he's never been big. So it's, it'll be tough. He'll be cooked by like Shea Gill, just Alexander, like every single time they play, which, you know, he had been in Portland too. So it is where it is. Um, I think they do get better. Drew Holiday is way better than we think. And um, I think some of the options on offense now with them are going to really unlock Giannis in a way that um, we haven't really seen to this point. And they won a title with him as the best player. And um, obviously Giannis isn't Jokic, but we've seen how important it is for an elite big to also have a really, really high-level point guard in the Jokic and Jamal Murray situation, 
and like not just a high level point guard, but a dog at the point guard position that can take and make every shot that you need him to. Because sometimes if you overload on the big and you have no good point guards or you have no good sort of perimeter players in general, nobody knows how to take the shot, know who's going to take the shot. Um, and Damian Lillard is absolutely that guy that can take that shot in the way that Jamal Murray is. He's more so than Jamal Murray. And um, Giannis can be that dominant big that sort of tilts the game in, in, in the entire, like tilts the entire game in his favor um, because of just how dominant and, and big he is. And um, so Dame like playing off of that, I can imagine going really, really well for them. But let it be known that I warned you about their defense on September 27th. Um, all right. The Suns, I, they haven't liked DeAndre Ayton for a while. Um, Nurkic is probably fits a role a bit better than DeAndre Ayton did in terms of like attitude and just sort of doing his job and not complaining about it. Um, and trying not trying to score too much. I like Nurkic as a player, um, but I mean he's not he's not like changing your team, but. You know, neither was Aiden, realistically. Um, Grayson Allen is a bitch. Who cares? Um, I guess he's a valuable player. He tries hard and plays decent defense and is a good athlete. But um, Nasir Little and Keon Johnson, I couldn't tell you anything about them. I know who Nasir Little is. Credit to me for that. Do not have any idea who Keon Johnson is. Um, But I couldn't tell you much about their games at this point. Um, So that's cool. I get, you know, they don't need more players that are going to touch the ball a lot. So I, you know, I think really focusing in on the, um, the Booker and, and KD experiences, what they need to be doing is finding pieces around that to help. I, you know, I guess I, I don't really think the Suns are going to be good because I don't believe in Devin Booker at all. Um, he's almost, hmm. I, he's not, he's not there yet. But I really don't like Devin Booker. He's almost like Bo Hostler level. He's not. I want to say to Bo Hostler, if you're listening, like he's not as bad as you. Um, Bo Hostler and that dude from Colorado State that took out Travis Hunter are on like the lowest level of my shit list. Devin Booker's not there yet and probably will never be, but he's close. I, he's in the realm. I just really don't like him. I think he's a bitch. Um, and I don't think that you can win with him. As we've seen in the playoffs, they just stink, you know. Um, anyway, um, I should make that whole list of, like, people who aren't welcome on the pod. Devin Booker, not welcome on the pod. Um, I also like that video of him complaining about being double teamed. Like, you're, you're, he's a little pussy. Like, it is what it is. Um, shit. Just draw my Apple TV remote. Things shattered to pieces. Well, it didn't get any worse. Um, <laughs> all right, the Blazers. Drew Holiday, DeAndre Ayton, two money, Kamara, and an eighth grader. First round pick, 2029. Um, <laughs> Value-wise, I think it's okay. DeAndre Ayton is a young player still, good upside if he chooses to just be a center, I think he can be a really good player. If he tries to be Anthony Davis and we get kind of confused as to where he's supposed to be, then he's not going to be that good. But um, 
Andrew Holiday, like I said, is a great, really, really, he's an elite two-way point guard, and people don't give him credit for that. But Drew Holiday and DeAndre Ayton aren't going to get you anywhere close to contention by themselves. (laughs) You don't have a real true superstar on that team. Um, Unless you turn Anthony Simons into that, which he's not there. And we've been hearing about Anthony Simons for five years now, and it's just... Okay, I'm waiting for him to be an all-star, you know, that type of thing. Like, it's just not going to happen. Um, but, I mean, they weren't realistically doing anything with Damian Lillard in charge either. So, it kind of is what it is. Um, cut out from under the Dame thing, which felt like it needed to happen. I feel a little bit bad for Drew and DeAndre Ayton because they're just not going to contend anymore. Um, they're not going to be a very great team, I don't think. Um let me just check out the rest of that roster because I feel like I could be forgiven for forgetting who's on the Blazers. You know, they're not really relevant and they haven't been for a while. But um, let's check out this roster. Roster, there it is. Aiton, Ibu Baji, Moses Brown, John Butler Jr., Tumani Kamara, Jeremy Grant. Okay, yeah, rec- you know, whatever. Scoot Henderson, yeah, I guess. Drew Holiday, Kevin Knox, Christ, Skyler Mays, um, Justin Maniah, Chris Murray, sure, Shaden Sharp, Anthony Simons, Matisse Thibault, Barry Walker, Jeanathan Williams, his name is Jeanathan, J-E-E, Nathan, Justice Winslow, yeah, so it's not, they're not going to be good, um, forgot about Scoot Henderson for a second, hand up, but, um, so I guess they're rolling out Scoot Henderson next to next to um Drew Holiday in the backcourt. DeAndre Ayton at center, and maybe Anthony Simons, maybe Jeremy Grant. This may be the starting lineup or something like that. It's just not it's not a lot to get excited about, to be honest. Um you hope to develop the young players, but Drew Holiday doesn't really help you do that, so and he's the best player in that they got in that trade. So whatever. I don't know. I don't like it for them as much as I've liked it for other people, but they had to get rid of Dame and it needed to happen. So Alright, that's the NBA talk. Um Okay, a quick water break presented by Um Garden Salsa. This this entire they, you know, Sunchips doled out the money for this entire episode to be sponsored by Garden Salsa Sunchips. So that's what it is. All right, we're back. The Vikings are 0-3. We lost to the um, Chargers. I don't even remember what the score was. Looking it up, it was, what, a four-point game? 28-24. Um... Where to start? Uh, We've also, the Vikings are on three. We also lead the league in passing. Or Kirk Cousins leads the league in passing. Justin Jefferson leads the league in receiving. And Daniil Hunter is second in the league in sacks. So why are we bad? Turnover differential is, I believe, nine to two now. 
over the entire series or our entire season um, where we've turned it over nine times and taken it away twice. Um, I just don't think that's why we lost the, the game against the Chargers because one of those, to pick at the end, it wasn't good. And, well, we'll probably get into the end game thing eventually. But um, turnovers weren't really the story. Um, Because other than the last pick, which, again, is no difference than an, you know, makes not a lot of difference than an incomplete pass in that situation because there was no time, whatever. Um, It's not like they picked it off and turned it into points in the third quarter. That was a big swing or whatever. It's just we didn't win the game and it happened to end on a pick. So I don't think that pick itself and that turnover differential in this specific game being two to one makes a lot of difference. Um, The fact is we moved the ball. And the ball has moved a lot against us. Um, and I just think... So the defense is horrible. Like, the defense is horrible. And if, if there's a spot to start, I guess it's the defense being horrible. Um, allowed 20 points to the Bucks, which now, again, looks shitty after what the um, Eagles did to them. But even though I kind of slobbed on Baker's knob last week... Um, Allowed 34 to the Eagles, which isn't great, but it's not horrible, I guess. Um, they're a good team. But 34 points is a lot of points. And then allowed 28 to Chargers. Justin Herbert looked really good, and Justin Herbert is really good, so that's fine. But the defense isn't good. Fact of the matter is defense isn't good, full stop. But we knew that, and it maybe isn't even as bad as last year. Um, so why are we 0-3? The offense moves the ball. But it's, it seems like sometimes we just can't build a drive. We're explosive for two drives in a row and then we three and out. Or we get just fucked over by penalties. Or, Anthony, or Alexander Madison puts the ball on the ground and we lose it. Or just just mistakes happen. And this sounds really like imprecise and like I don't fucking know anything about football. And maybe that's true. But just sometimes we move the ball and it's like, are we the best offense in the league? And, I'm, and I played Kirk Cousins in fantasy this week, by the way, oh, uh, 3-0 with 100 more points than everybody else. Credit to me for that. Um, I'm actually wailing. Like, my team is ripping. Um, anyway, so I played Kirk Cousins in fantasy and he's putting up big numbies. We're just, just slashing the field in half, you know, 30 yards at a time with Justin Jefferson, big hits, and then all of a sudden next we're just like can't run the ball. Or we get in the third and eight and it's a shitty fucking play call or we're checking down to TJ Hawkins and he drops it. Like it just seems like when there's a play to be made, we don't make the play. And when it doesn't matter and we're already down 14 points, yeah, we're really good at scoring touchdowns in that case. Like at one point it was, I don't even know what it was, 21 to 10 or something like that. Um, and it's like, how are we even down like this? Let me just find, let's see if I can find the point in the game that I'm talking about. Um, and it felt like we we're moving the ball and it felt like things were happening and we're running the, we're running the ball for the first time in, in a while against a shitty offense or shitty defensive front. And it's like, okay, like we're moving the ball, but why don't we have any points? And it's just cause it's like, yeah, at one point it was 21 to 10. 
to a huge Mike Williams catch, um, touchdown. Um, and it's like, okay, KJ Osborne touchdown. Okay, Justin Jefferson touchdown. All of a sudden, we're back. Big chunk plays, just ripping it down the ball, down the field to our receivers. Like, where was that all, like, all game? How do we get into, like, the third and eights? We're checking it down for four yards. Like, how do we even get there when we have, it seems like, 25 yards every time we want it with our wide receivers? I I just don't understand. Um, And it's not even like it was a red zone issue. It it wasn't a turnover issue because we were scoring, like, huge touchdowns, big play strike touchdowns. And then it just stops sometimes. Um, and when your defense isn't good, you need to just not have it stop. And I and I don't know really what it is. The way I mean, we put up the exact same number of points as they did, um, or exact same number of yards, I believe, as they did. I might have made that up. Team stats. Here we go. Yeah, four hundred seventy yards. Four hundred seventy yards. We had twenty nine first downs. They had twenty four. Um, we ran more plays, you know, they ripped us apart, 440 yards passing for them, and we had 130 on the ground, so, I mean, it's like, we had time of possession, they had one pick, we didn't, you know, I guess, but I guess we weren't very good in the red zone, one out of four, that's not good, um, So you, okay, anyway, I feel like I'm rambling. The offense is really good. The defense is bad. We knew that. But the offense isn't really good at scoring points. And I think that's something that needs to change. Um, I have some other points here. I wrote down in my notes, why not JJ every time? Why not Justin Jefferson every time? And this was a, I think I wrote this down in like the third quarter or so when, you know, all of a sudden, Offenses sucked. We have 10 points. And then bang, bang, bang. Justin Jefferson, three catches in a row for like 70 yards between the three of them. And then all of a sudden we're in the end zone. Um, Why don't we just do that every time? It seems to me like like there's 0% chance I'm smarter than the Vikings coaching staff. Like they've obviously done this in their entire life and they get paid to do it, et cetera. So there's 0% chance I'm smarter than them. So there's obviously a reason why we don't throw to Justin Jefferson every time. Or that it's something that's not schemed up for him every time. Um, it seems like we fuck around around the line of scrimmage, running the ball with our shitty running backs, throwing to our shitty tight end who's making more money than everybody else. And we do that for a couple drives, a couple three and outs, a couple get one first down, then punt. And then all of a sudden, oh, okay, the defense is like now packing the box, so we expect them to run the ball. I mean, and we weren't actually running the ball this well, um, well this game. So, you know, whatever. And all of a sudden, okay, the defense is expecting that. Now we're going to rip them with three big plays to our wide receivers because now the stuff's been loosened up and it's open. I think if that type of thing is happening, it's possible. I haven't grinded the tape on it to for sure say that that type of thing is happening, but that's what it feels like where we just the offense is ass, and then all of a sudden, okay, we decided to throw Justin Jefferson. Now we're good. Um and my guess is that if we were, oh, let's just throw Justin Jefferson, now we're good. If we just did that from the beginning, it probably wouldn't work as well as it does when we decide to go to him in those spots here. So I guess that is maybe 
feel like I'm apologizing for, um, or like I'm supporting the, uh, offensive choices when I don't necessarily believe that, but, um, I feel like there's, that's probably why it's happening that way. Um, next note is Ed Ingram sucks dick, but his helmet is sick. Um, yeah, so he got a bunch of holding penalties and allowed a couple sacks. Um, so Ed Ingram sucks dick. I also saw something online that said he doesn't suck dick, that he actually had a bunch of pancakes or whatever. So it's to be determined whether Ed Ingram sucks dick, but his helmet is sick. He's got one of the new, I don't know, there's like a thousand different new helmets now, but it like, he looks like a, I don't know, look it up. I don't know, I don't know how to describe it, but there's like little cutouts that like make these little ridges like in the front of his head. So it's like, I don't know, he looks kind of like a transformer or something. So shout out to his helmet, but not really shout out to him. Actually, we don't know. Um, I wrote here, both coaches should be fired. The fourth quarter of this game was horrible. Um, we tried to give it away. Then they tried to give it back to us. We tried, We didn't take it back. They really tried to give it back to us. Um, that fourth down call by the Chargers was all-time stupid. I'm, I'm blanking on the Chargers head coach now. What's his name again? This is embarrassing. It's embarrassing. Chargers coach. Ah. Brandon Staley, that's his name. Um, decision to go for it on fourth down at like their own 30 or something like that with, I mean, the game seemingly wrapped. I mean, the game wasn't wrapped up, but they were very much in charge. And, um, it's not even that they went for it. It's that they were, they just drew up the shittiest call, like play call of all time. Like try the tush push from Philly or something, or just throw to Keenan Allen, who's been open literally all year or all game, um, all year too. Him still on my fantasy team too. Shout out to him, except for not last week. Um, yeah, I mean, what they did was really stupid. And we, you know, of course didn't, um, convert because we had our own coaching fuck up with 30 seconds to go where nobody knows what play we're running kirk doesn't feel empowered to like actually make a big boy decision on his own and kevin o'connell is just like blabbing away in the mic well like 20 seconds run off nobody's really set nobody really knows what's going on we throw a pick and the game's over just like that after a huge after a huge fourth down conversion when we made that fourth down conversion i was like oh this game like I, was, I thought we were fucked. I thought we were fucked when it came to fourth down and long. I was like, all right, well, we tried. They gave it to us. We threw it away again. I actually got hope after the fourth down conversion. And then we're just wasting a bunch of time. I'm like, yeah, it's fine because we're going to win now. Because I truly believed after that fourth down. And then pick and it's over. And just like that, literally just like that. And it's because the coach is too fucking stupid to, like, get a play and just spike the ball. I don't know. Do something. Call it time. We didn't have timeouts. But just spike the ball. It's basically a timeout. Or effectively in a timeout in this situation. I just, it just, it can't, it can't happen. And this is the thing. I feel like I'm just rambling, whatever. This is the thing that I've sort of started to notice watching the Vikings. Obviously, I have a podcast this year. I didn't have a podcast last year. So I've been watching closely to figure out what to talk about. Or closer. Kevin O'Connell, the scheme is good most of the time. But coaching is more than just scheme. Obviously, the defense sucks, and we still haven't figured out that. So offensively, the scheme is pretty good. We can often get a lot of yards, 
and make some shit happen. Um, still got to work on the red zone. Still got to work on Kirk not being a pussy when the game's on the line. All that stuff. But the scheme is pretty good. But coaching is so much more than just scheme. Every, all the procedural things, all the getting the boys ready to play things, all the making sure we don't get stupid penalties things, all the fixing turnovers in practice so they don't happen in the game things, having the balls to take the guy out that's fumbling every time he touches the ball, those things is what a coach needs to do more than just scheme. If we want to just scheme, he should be our offensive coordinator. But we need a, somebody to be in charge. It doesn't it doesn't feel like there's an adult in the room sometimes. Um with the way this team is just handling itself. And, and we got lucky every game last year, and everybody kind of knew that it wasn't going to go well in the playoffs, and then we put up a stinker. That's the type of thing that a good coach won't let happen. You don't put up a stinker against the Giants in the playoffs. When you're a 13-4 and four football team, it just doesn't happen, and you don't start 0-3, um, even though you're passing, you have more passing yards than everybody else. You don't start 0-3. If you have a good coach, you just don't. You just don't. And every single game, there's like, oh, if this one thing would have gone wrong, or if this one thing would have gone right, you know, maybe we'd win this game. We could be 3-0 and right now. If this one thing would have gone right, we would have won this game. You know, what, you know what teams don't have that? Chiefs, good coach. 49ers, good coach. The fucking Miami Dolphins. They're too busy winning by 50. Good coach. The Bills don't really have that, unless Josh Allen goes crazy. And crazy in, like, a stupid way. But that's pretty clearly Josh Allen. This wasn't Kirk's fault. Just random shit always happens. Um, Sean McDermott, good coach. Um, so, I don't know. I I sort of stuck my toe into that take in the beginning of preseason. What if Kevin O'Connell just isn't good? Um, I don't know. I'm feeling a little bit more emboldened than that in that take. Um I'm going to rip through some of these notes because I've, you know, there's a, I've already been talking about the Vikings for like 20 minutes. Um, Herbert is good. That's it. He's a really good player. I've talked shit about him in the past, I feel like, whether it was on the spot or not. He's really good. Um, a good wide receiver will kill these corners every time is another note I've written. That's Keenan. That one's uh, brought to you by Keenan Allen. Um, A really good, obviously, okay, so what I said is pretty clear. Um, a really good wide receiver is going to kill these guys every time. True. I think there's a, something deeper to that, though, in that Keenan Allen is like a really professional veteran experience, knows every trick in the book type of good wide receiver. And our corners, our defense, other than Harrison Smith, who's now a little bit washed, but especially the corners, are the opposite of that they're good athletes they might be good football players but they're not good like football players football minds yet they don't have the experience kevin or keenan Allen has every trick in the book he was open all day he was just catching ball after ball after ball i think 18 catches fucking threw for a touchdown like he was tearing them up and not in the way that like tyreek hill tears people up where it's just athleticism it was the knowledge it's the just experience the depth the you know, he's forgotten more about how to get open than some of these corners have ever learned about how to cover. And um, I think that's something that you can almost extend to the entire team. Like how many really veteran know what they're doing and are still good at doing it players do we have on this football team? I think you can throw Justin Jefferson in there even though he's young, but he's really good. He's an expert. He's a master at the craft. 
you can call Kirk Cousins that, but I don't even know if he could because when the pressure gets on it, he throws it for two yards and we don't get the first down. Like, that's that's the type of guy he is. Um, you could say maybe Brian O'Neill on the offensive line. Maybe. I thought TJ Hawkinson. Don't think that anymore. Can't fucking catch the ball. Um, Harrison Smith on defense, but again, he's not the athlete he used to be. Um, I don't know if you can say that for anybody else on the team. You know? And I think that's something that we're missing. Because Keenan Allen, I mean, he's a pro's pro. We don't have any pro's pros on the Vikings. Um, And I think that's stuff that maybe I'm blaming the coach too much and it's just like inexperienced guys, you know? That's the type of thing that sort of without even realizing leads to a lot of wins. Um, And then I wrote down this take before the Cardinals beat the Cowboys. I watched the Cardinals be frisky against the... um, against the Cowboys for like a quarter before the game even ended. And I wrote down, do we play the Cardinals? Because if we do, we will lose. I wrote that down. So um, I don't even know if we play them. So this might actually be the least interesting point of all time because we may not play them at all. Um, We do not play the Cardinals. So who cares? Um, But if we had, if we were to play the Cardinals this year, I can imagine them being like, two and 10 and us being like, that would be cool. 12, um, us being like five and seven and us losing to them. I could easily see that. Or even if we're seven and five, I can see us losing to them. Don't think we're going to be seven to five at any point, but it is what it is. Um, real quick power aid break brought to you by garden salsa sun chips. All right, let's go through the rest of the games. That's enough Vikings. Um, I might have some points on these. I might not. I might just buzz through some of them. I don't really know. Giants-Niners on Thursday night. I didn't watch, but the Niners are good, and the Giants aren't really. Um, Giants feel a lot like us in that we were luckily good last year and now we're just not. Um, Colts Ravens, twenty-two to ten, or twenty-two to nineteen. Sorry, in favor of the Colts with their backup quarterback with Gardner Minshew playing. Um, that's a bad game for the Ravens to lose. I'll be honest. It probably doesn't matter. They're probably going to be fine. Um, but. That's a game you... <laughs> the Colts all of a sudden seem like they're in a, in a decent spot. And I, I'll be honest, I don't know a lot about the team in general. Um, but that's the type of game that a team that a bad team isn't supposed to win. Um, in Baltimore, as... Well, what were they? A touchdown dog or more? Um, seven and a half? Yeah. Touchdown extra point and a half point also dog. Um that's not a game you win with a backup quarterback unless, you know, you got something cooking for you. Zach Moss looked like Jonathan Taylor. Who needs him? Um, Gardner Minshew ran out of the end zone once, but managed to figure it out. Um, had a lot of field goals. Maybe the, maybe that's it. You know, you got a lucky field goal game where you just hit, what was it, like five 50-yard field goals? One, two, 
three, four 50 yard field goals and one 30 yard field goal. Um, and Lamar Jackson didn't even play bad. Ran the ball for a bajillion yards and two scores. Like, I really, I, this game was on, um, red zone intermittently. I don't really know how they, (laughs) how they won that game. Um, but the Colts haven't looked at all bad this year, and I probably expected them to. So credit to them, I guess. Um, Browns-Titans, the Titans are – I don't even know. They're they, – because they played a really good game last week um, to beat whoever they beat. Who they beat. My memory is shit. To beat the Chargers. Maybe the Chargers aren't good, and they just beat us. I don't know. But to lose the Browns 27-3 with Sean Watson – he played better, but he also did throw the ball completely backwards once, so that was stupid. But, um, yeah. Jerome Ford was the leading back, by the way, which uh, I don't, I'm not really going to take credit for calling that because I feel like everybody's knew that, but, um, as I expected, I guess. Um, you don't have a lot to say. Both those teams are not going to be really relevant. Um, Dolphins Broncos 70 to 20. Um so the Dolphins put up 70 points without their second best weapon in Jalen Waddle. And Tyreek Hill didn't even have that huge of a game. He had a big game. But they ran the ball like fucking crazy. Um I saw a quote from uh, Mike Mike McDaniel that was something who's the head coach of the Dolphins and the guy in charge of the offense, pretty much. Um, It said something like, whatever, like, you learned growing up as, like, a coach or in an offense or whatever, you have to break all those rules. Because if you haven't broken the rules, then the defense is ahead of them because they've seen that offense before. And it just made me think a little bit. We have somebody who's pretending to be Sean McVay as our quarter, as our head coach, and it's not it's not really working. Um, and Mike McDaniel has learned from Kyle Shanahan, and then made his own thing in Miami, where he's like some of the play calling he's doing is just just incredible. It's really really working, and you know, he's got Tua playing like a fucking stud. And he's got fat. I mean, he he does the weapons in his arsenal are incredible in terms of he's got fast guys everywhere. Like all the fastest ball carriers in the league are all in Miami. You know, obviously Hill, we know about him. Waddle, but A Chain is incredibly fast. Mostert has always been fast, even though he's a little bit older now. Like just the options he has to play with in terms of running guys around that other people can't catch is incredible. But his scheme is still working really well. I mean, there was one play that A Chain went for like forty on where it was multiple guys going in different motions at a different time, and then the third guy who ended up being A-chain on the sweep action wasn't even one of the guys going in motion, but everybody's already, like, confused, and the defense is just getting destroyed. Um, and that type of thing was happening over and over and over again. Um, one of the touchdowns was a two-a no-look flip, like, behind himself while he's looking backwards. Um just to like a little flip forward to it's like what the Chiefs do with you know Kelsey and and uh, some of the running backs all the time where you just kind of home just kind of shovel passes it but it was too looking at a sweeper or like a 
wide receiver running a sweep action and then flipping it behind him. I just like stuff like that that it's really reinventing some of the um you call it cute and stuff like that when it doesn't work, but it's really kind of reinventing some of the sort of offensive things that we've seen some from Andy Reid and from the Shanahan's and all this stuff. So um I love Mike McDaniel because he's I mean he's like weird and he's a little just like a weird little nerd guy. Um but he also like the offense is sick and it's I'm not going to claim to be a Dolphins fan, even though I live in Miami. And honestly, like, sports fandom down here is, like, kind of lame, if I'm completely honest. Because it's just, like, I don't know. Maybe I just don't like it because I'm not from here. I don't really care. But, like, I feel like the fans don't really get into it. Anyway. Um, but, yeah, the Dolphins are sick. And um, the Broncos suck. And I would rather be a Vikings fan than a Broncos fan right now. And I can't say that about that many teams. Um, Patriots, Jets, those are honestly two more teams that I could say that about. I'd rather be a Vikings fan than a Patriots or Jets fan right now. Zach Wilson is horrible, and they need to get rid of him immediately. Mac Jones is horrible, and they need to get rid of him immediately. That is my take on these two players and these two teams. I think they're both pathetic and sad. And I honestly, whenever any Patriots or Jets game comes on the red zone, I'm like, ugh, gross. And... Yeah. Um, Bills and Commanders, 37-3. to three. By the way, the Patriots won that game 15-10. to 10. Bills and Commanders, 37-3. to three. Um, The Bills are who we thought they were. The Commanders are who we thought they were. Um, somehow through too many picks. And I honestly don't think they're this bad. I think they're like a decent team. Um, but you can't get in a shootout with Josh Allen if you're Sam Howell. It just doesn't work that way. You're going to lose that battle, and he tried very hard to win it and failed very miserably um, in terms of how many picks he threw. What was it, four or five? Let me, let me just check, let me check that. Four interceptions, 19 of 29, 170 yards. Just throw more incompletions. You only had 10 incompletions, and four of them were picks. Just throw more incompletions that aren't interceptions, and that would be better. Um. Yeah, this one was kind of a, a, butt, a butt whooping. Um, Lions, Falcons, Falcons are who, I, you know, I don't know. They are who we thought they were. Maybe people didn't think that after they started 2-0, but, I did, you know, they were never good. Um, I think the Lions will be good. They'll be frisky, at the very least. And I think there's a decent chance they win the division. But only because we're bad. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, Packers 18, Saints 17. All right, we'll talk a little bit th- about this one. Jordan Love missed a lot of throws. A lot of them. He missed a lot of throws, and many of them badly. Or maybe not, he didn't miss it badly, but it was a bad throw to miss, that type of thing. Um, and then he led an incredible comeback in the fourth quarter and they won the game. I don't think the Saints are particularly good. And that comeback happened after they like murdered Derek Carr, like, cause they're a dirty franchise, but, um, so that all happened with Jameis doing whatever the fuck he does in the game. 
I don't think the Packers are good. I don't think Jordan Love is good, but I would have felt a lot better if they didn't if they didn't come back and win that game because that reminded me, and I think it's the biggest comeback since um, the game against the Bears week one where the Packers, you know, started out badly and Aaron Rodgers wasn't even playing well. And then Aaron Rodgers got hurt, and then he came back on painkillers and won by a bajillion. Um, it reminded me of that. And I really wish it didn't because I don't I don't want that to happen very many more times. Um, when Jordan Love isn't missing throws really really badly uh, again he's again he's my forty forty third ranked quarterback in the league so he's obviously the worst but so I just want to be clear but when he isn't missing throws really badly he makes some incredible throws that most people on the planet cannot make the sort of like. People that can make those throws are like Patrick Mahomes and like Justin Herbert and like Joe Burrow and like Josh Allen. Um, but again, he's not those guys. Um, he's the worst and he sucks and he made a lot of really, really bad throws. So he, um, they did not deserve to win this game. He's really bad. Um, that's all I'm saying. Also, if they didn't murder Derek Carr, they wouldn't have won the game. So it like, wouldn't have even mattered. He still sucks. Um, Texans-Jaguars. C.J. Stroud is it, baby. He is it. I've been a fan since day one. We just kicked the shit out. Okay, this, is, this game was huge for me. Again, I'm not victory lapping because it's week three of, you know, whatever. It's week three. <laughs> but it's a huge quarterback take game for me where I, I was like, oh, C.J. Stroud's going to be good. I believe in him more than any other rookie. He's going to be good. 20 of 30, 280 yards, two touchdowns, and got the win by 20. Now, obviously, the numbers aren't maybe you're lighting your hair on fire with how good they are, but he was really efficient leading that offense. Um, Didn't throw a pick. Offense put up 37. Um, Running game helped a bunch, but, you know, that's exactly what you want for a guy in his third start in the NFL, third game in the NFL. You can't ask for a lot more than that. On the other hand, Trevor Lawrence, who I said was not a top 10 quarterback, who I said, why are we making claims like this guy's fucking Jesus when he's, he hasn't done anything? 27 of 40, 270 yards and a pick. Had a touchdown, but the team put up 17. You know, he's not leading the team. His numbers aren't horrible per se. But um, he got out. He got outplayed by C.J. Stroud. The fact the fact remains, he got outplayed by C.J. Stroud. Um, who had the fumble? Jamal Agnew. That doesn't fit my narrative. Pretend I didn't say that. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's a game that the Jaguars absolutely. I was talking about this in the Ravens Colts games. If you're the if you're the Ravens, you can't lose that game. That's an embarrassing loss. If you're the Jaguars, you can't win this game. You can't lose this game. Um, talking all offseason about how the Jags are going to run away with the AFC South, as if that's some kind of fucking accomplishment. They absolutely are not, dude. They're not. They aren't. They are the Jags still. This isn't some juggernaut just because there's no other good teams and because they want a playoff game against the fucking Chargers. Like, this is, this is the Jags. You know, um, 
also in the realm of this is the type of thing that you can't let happen. You can't let a fullback score a kickoff return against you. That is that's not not something that you can allow to happen. Um Tank Dell is good. I'll say that. That's all. Um that's my last take. Um Seahawks Panthers Gino is I keep expecting Gino to be bad. I really do. Um this kind of this game's kind of lame. I mean Andy, Andy Dalton's good or whatever, but like nobody wants to watch the Panthers without especially without um Bryce Young. Nobody really cares. And um I just don't want I, I wish there were fewer teams in the NFL where I turn on the game and I'm just like Ugh. you know. Um Chief Smith keeps getting it done, keep, keeps winning. That's all. Keep expecting him to turn into a pumpkin. He keeps not really quite doing that, and the team is fine. I don't know. Um, okay, water break, and then we'll hit the last six games. Jesus Christ, there's a lot of games low-key in the NFL. All right. Cowboys Cardinals. Um, we anointed the Cowboys after two weeks. Said they were the best team in football. They're not. Can't lose the Cardinals. I didn't watch this game. I have no idea how it happened, I'll be honest. Um, not to brag, but I was on a rooftop pool during um, the late games, so... You know, my in-depth analysis isn't very in-depth. But also, <laughs> some of the loons listening will know that that's not actually that huge of a break to be on a rooftop pool. Anyway, um, oh, people are texting me. I'm podcasting. Come on. Um, I don't know how this game happened, but they can't be that good, right? They can't, they can't be Dak only through one pick. This is horrible podcasting because I don't actually know what I'm talking about. But you can't let a team led by Josh Dobbs beat you if you're led by Dak Prescott. It's just a fact. And then the fact that they let that happen is crazy. Um, Chiefs 41, Bears 10. Didn't watch this game either, but watched everything that anybody seems to care about. It is that, oh, Taylor Swift was there. Cirque. Um, I... It is cool, I guess, that Taylor Swift is dating Travis Kelsey. Um, I'm not a Swifty. I don't really like her music much. Her voice is kind of boring to me. But um, I have no reason to hate her, necessarily. I like Travis Kelsey a lot. He's he's cool. He's been on my, he won a fantasy championship for me three years ago. Hang the banner. Um, he's on my fantasy team again, traded for him. So I, you know, I'm everything, all Travis, you know, you know, when somebody's on your fantasy team and you see them a lot, you're like, oh yeah, that guy, I love him. Like that happened to me with Zeke a bunch when he was on my team for all those years. Every time Zeke was in the news or every time he had a big game and they're creaming their pants about him on TV because he's on the Cowboys. I was like, yeah, fuck yeah, that's my guy, that's Zeke. 
that type of shit's been happening to me the past like three days with Travis Kelsey. And most of it's around him dating Taylor Swift. But I'm, my TikTok is just, it's just all Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift because um, not only has it been on my For You page, but Goose Rachel sent me like three different fucking posts about it. And so then TikTok thinks that I am like the biggest Travis Kelsey, Taylor Swift guy of all time. But every time I'm like, fuck yeah, that's my guy. He's just scored a touchdown for me this week. So, you know, it, it is what it is. Um, so I guess I'm in favor. I don't know. I guess I'm in favor of their relationship. I, I don't know. I don't really interact with, like, the Swifties online that people, like, talk about mythically or whatever. I You know, I she's she's whoever. You know, she's a super famous pop star. I, you know, it's fine. They can date, I guess. I don't have a strong take, I guess. Maybe uh. You know, podcast game would be better if I had a strong take on it, but I just don't. So, you know, it's cool. Um, Steelers-Raiders. Sometimes I'd get angry. I said earlier in this podcast that obviously I'm not smarter than the coaches. Because if there's a reason that I'm going to music school and that they're coaching an NFL team, like there's a reason that's happened. And it's because they know more about football than me. Again, I've never played the sport. Um, you can't kick a field goal there. Where Josh Mc, Josh, if for those that don't know, two minutes left or so, fourth and four from the eight yard line, down by eight points. You can't kick a field goal. The offense hasn't been good all year. And in that game, they had 15 points to that point against the Steelers, who defense is pretty good, but, you know, it's still like the Steelers. They're still not great. Um, I think maybe I actually might be great. So pretend I didn't say any of that because that kind of ruins my point. Anyway, actually, it doesn't ruin my point because what Josh McDaniels did, Josh McDaniels did kicking a field goal down eight, is he's, he still needs a touchdown. It's not like it's fucking, you know, it's not like two field goals was going to do it. It's, he still needs a touchdown. Um, so he's betting, he's already in the red zone. He's eight yards away from the, from the end zone. Just needs four to keep the drive going. And so he's like, okay, that is too hard. That is much harder than going the entire length of the field against the Steelers defense with 40 seconds left on the clock. Like, what kind of fucking decision is that? Like, maybe he didn't have a great option either way, but it's just all-time stupid. And that's the type of thing that makes me angry because I know I'm smarter than that. And why am I not coaching? Or why am I sitting on my fucking ass looking at the TV being like, how, how is he doing that? And how does he not know better? I just don't get it. If I was a Raiders fan in this situation, I would be, like, all-time angry. Like, almost as angry when... Loon Megs kicks me in the cock for literally no reason in the, on the floor of a BK. Like, I would be that angry if I was a Raiders fan. But I'm not, so I'm only, like, a little bit less angry than that. I don't know. I, I just think it's crazy. Like, I saw some, like, analytics person online that was like, if they would have gone for it, they have a 20% chance of winning. If they were not to go for it and kick a field goal, they have a 15% chance of winning, which it doesn't seem like that much. 
Or it was 15 and 10 or something like that. I think it was 15 and 10. It doesn't seem like that much. But if one decision gives you a 50% more chance of winning, 15 compared to 10%, like if it gives you that much more of it, like 15 times, 50% chance of winning more, I don't know if that made any sense. Because, <coughs> yeah, half of 10% is 5%, so then plus 15%, plus that 15%, that's half. Yeah, anyway. Um, that's a huge difference. That's a huge difference. It was just an all-time stupid call. And Josh McDowns has been all-time horrible as a Raiders head coach. Um, if I was a Raiders fan, I'd be pissed. That's all. That's my take. Um, Eagles, Bucks. Eagles are good. The Bucks aren't. That's what I got on that. Um, it's not surprising. Actually, people saying that the little, the tush push, the little fourth and one quarterback sneak with the running backs pushing from behind thing is like, should be illegal. Is all, it's like all-time stupid. I hate the Eagles. I really don't like them. And it does feel like a cheat code, but didn't just stop it. I don't know. Just because there isn't a way to stop it well doesn't mean that, like, it should be illegal. It's just sort of like when a, t- when a guy in your fantasy league wants to change the rules halfway through because his team isn't doing well. It's just you don't do it. It just you don't do it. Um, it'd be one thing if like every team did it really well, but not every team does it really well. There's a reason that it works for the Eagles, and that's because Jason Kelsey is shorter than every other center in the league. Um, and also better than all of them, you know? And it goes right behind him because he breaks the fucking defensive line in half. Like, that's why it works for the Eagles. And that's why it doesn't fucking work for every other team. Anyway. And also, Jalen Hurts squats 900 pounds. Like, it, there's a reason it works for them. And it's not because they're breaking the rules of the game or whatever. Um, Bengals Rams The Bengals are back Not really, they're not back I don't have a lot to say about this game Because I didn't watch it Um, But The Bengals being bad this year Or the first two weeks of this year Is weird, it's uncomfortable It doesn't make sense to me Um, Maybe they're back now We'll have to see But That's the NFL talk. Um, we're going to take a quick break. Pod is already over an hour, so probably should speed through the college football notes I'm put down and then speed through the uh, post game after this break. All right, college football notes from the weekend. Presented without really any comment. Because I don't want to take forever. Um, Colorado is so dead. You can't lose that game by as many points as they lost it. If you lose it by 20 and you put up 20 yourself, that's one thing. You can't lose that game by as many as you lost it. Colorado is so dead, they're going to win like six games. Which will be very impressive, considered what they were expected to do in the beginning of the year, but you can't lose that game by that many points. They're going to get murdered by USC this week, too. Need Travis Hunter back now. Um, <laughs> I was watching the Miami game, the Canes game, at Temple. The college football atmosphere of Temple University might be the worst college football atmosphere in the history of the sport. Playing, first of all, college football in the city of Philadelphia is just not, 
it's not a thing. If Tuscaloosa or Athens, Georgia or something like that is on one end of the spectrum in terms of how sick college football is in your town, you can say the same thing about College Station, Texas, you know. If that's if that's the far good end, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania is on the complete opposite worst possible end. Like nobody cares about college football in Philadelphia. And they don't play on campus at Temple. They don't play nearby. They don't play at a small stadium that is appropriate for the amount of fans they have. They play in fucking Lincoln Financial Field where the Eagles play. And there's about 700 people there trying to fill up an entire NFL stadium. It is insane. It was insanely depressing. And that is coming from somebody who watches all the University of Miami games when they try to play at Hard Rock Stadium and they can't fill the place. But Lincoln Financial Field, gray sky, even fewer fans than at Canes games. Just fucking, oh, it was so bad. It was so depressing. And then they obviously got murdered too. Um, Anyway, next note. Florida State is incredibly beatable. Um, Yeah, that speaks for itself. Who did they almost lose to this week? I forgot. They almost lost the week before too. Um, They almost lost to Clemson, right? NCAA football. This has been like a couple days now. I kind of forgot what happened. Forgot what some of these notes mean. Um... Yeah, top 25, that'll do it. I was going to speed through these notes, damn it. Um, yeah. Yeah, they took OT against Clemson, who isn't that good. Um, all eyes are on the Canes-Florida State game. That could be huge for us. I think that's why I wrote that. Um, next note, there's a huge difference between teams like Alabama and teams like Colorado. This is a bit where I was talking about like a pro's pro in the NFL, a guy that has a talent and knows how to be there. Colorado may have the talent, but they do not know how to be there. Alabama may be down on talent this year, but they still know how to be there. They still crushed Ole Miss, and Ole Miss is another team that doesn't really know how to be there, even though they might be talented. Alabama is still who they are. You know, they played really below their standard against USF um, and maybe even against Texas too, but they are still Alabama, and they still know how to be there, and Nick Saban is still who he is. Like that, the the idea that, Call a team like Colorado and a team like Alabama were separated by less than 10 spots in the AP poll is not at all indicative of how good of football teams they are. Um, that's what I'll say. Watching Notre Dame and um, Ohio State, the all-green jerseys were fucking bad. They were not good. Notre Dame is a team that, like, it's built on tradition. And I know that the all greens or like the green jersey is like something that they traditionally did way back in the day of Newt Rockney, blah, blah, blah. They had alternate jerseys, whatever. Um, and I know that they brought them back here and there every, you know, couple of years since then. But it's never been all green to my knowledge. And the all greens, it looks like the fucking shitty color rush like Jaguars uniforms at, at Notre Dame. Like it's crazy. The all greens is bad. Gold pants, please. Anyway, um, taking your helmet off in the game should be legal is my next note. Um, Shitter Sanders did this week two or something when he threw a two-point conversion that ended up being overturned. Uh, I think like the guy from Virginia did it this past week. Taking your helmet off to celebrate is sick. You look so cool when you do that. Remember when Diggs did it in the, after the sideline touchdown? Diggs sideline touchdown, remember? And he threw his fucking helmet off? That was awesome. You should be able to do that every fucking play if you want to. Like, uh, realistically, what is, like, the huge, like, I don't even know, like, the reason behind that rule. So we see your face? Like, why is that so bad? I think they actually invented it 
because of the U back in like 2000, but um, maybe you only can do it after a touchdown, but like, because it'd be annoying if like you sack a guy and you take your helmet off and okay, every time it'd be annoying. Um, but after a touchdown or a two-point, you look like it looks sick. It looks, the, the referees should say that if they decide that the play looked sick, that you're allowed to take your helmet off and celebrate. Like, you look cool when you do that. So why, why is it illegal? Whatever. Um, the last note is gophers with a frowny face. Um, in We've talked a couple times on the spot about things you just can't do, things you can't let happen. Can't lose to the Colts. Can't lose to the Texans. Can't let a fullback return a punt or kick off for a touchdown. You can't lose to, you can't lose to Northwestern. You just can't do it. And that's it. That's it. If you're PJ Fleck, you can't do it. If you're the Gophers, you can't do it. If you're anybody on that team who wants to be anything at the next level, you can't let it happen. It just can't not happen. And I do not know how it happened, but it just can't happen. And it happened. Um, all right, post game. Anthony Edwards, this is kind of Minnesota sports related because there's just too much content for this pod, but kind of not. Anthony Edwards has a new signature shoe, and it is fucking awesome. Like, if you haven't seen it, this guy, it's like, oh, I'm going to try to describe a shoe now. That's, like, basically impossible. Um, it's, like, a weird little futuristic but also kind of 90s vibe. <laughs> this is already going horribly. Anthony Edwards' signature shoe. Let me look at it just so you fucking try to describe it. But there's, like, a little grid, like, foamy pattern on the outside. <laughs> this is horrible. <laughs> Oh my, okay, I'm going to give up describing. Just look it up. It's cool. Um, it's cool. Um, with like a big three stripes on the back of the heel. Um, it's so far out in three colorways. Um, if I was hooping at all anymore, if I had any hooping still going on in my life, I would, or any money really, I would buy these in like, yesterday i would buy them so fast um a black and white colorway a black and like light orange colorway and then like this terracotta slash salmon colorway that's sick as fuck if you're if you're into that type of shit um they're really cool i'm not gonna lie um and i feel like there's a little bit of a larger take here and maybe this is the post game part i think adidas has sneaky been bodying nike in the basketball shoe world recently all the Trey Young stuff is pretty good I'm not gonna lie um I personally like all the Donovan Mitchell stuff I have the OG Don Dons and they're what I hoop in now when I do hoop um the Don issue ones that are like five years old those were cool um the James Hardens are really hit and miss for me. Some of them are really not good, and some of them are decent. Um, Adidas basketball shoes. Let me just let me just see what else we got cooking here. Um, the Dames have always been cool, I think. I'm now on the Adidas app, um, and compared to what we're seeing from Nike, it's just like, it's just I just feel like they all look the same. Like there's only so many ways at the end of the day to um okay the dames this year aren't that good but i like the oh no i do like the dame eights there's some like weird other variation that i don't like um 
But um, the Nike shoes we've been seeing recently, like the new, the new LeBrons are okay, but the LeBrons last year were so incredibly boring. The new, like, I honestly thought it was a joke when I saw the new Devin Booker shoes, which is another reason why I hate Devin Booker's not invited to the pod. It's like the new Devin Booker shoes look like the new LeBrons, which were, like, not good. Like, the LeBron 20s were all-time boring as far as LeBron goes, LeBron shoes goes. LeBron shoes, over the years, and this even started with the Zoom generation in his first game. Like, that shoe looked cool. It looked futuristic. It looked fit for the best player in the world at the time. And every other shoe since then has been sort of in that mold where it's different. It's, it's above. It's a level above in design. It's a level above in materials. And it's a level above in price, if we're honest. Um, and it got a little bit stale somewhere in like the 13, 14 range. But then the 15 was awesome. And then the 16 was awesome. And the 17 was awesome. And it's sort of fizzling out again. And the 20 last year, was n- it was so boring. It was so boring. It looks like a fucking Roshi. And, and people were like, oh, this is cool. It's not cool. It's so boring. Um, and I thought it was a joke. I literally thought it was a joke when I saw the new, um, the new Devin Booker one. It looks like an Air Force one. It's, it's nothing. I feel like... Nike has run out of ideas in that um, there's only so many ways to put a swoosh on a shoe. Where Adidas doesn't really have that problem because they didn't just kind of design the shoe and then put the logo wherever they want. Nike is so ingrained in this Jordan 1, Dunk, um, Blazer, Air, Air Max idea where the swoosh has to go on the side of the shoe. That every single pair with the swoosh on the side of the shoe just like all ends up kind of looking the same. The recent KDs haven't been cool. The recent uh, Giannis's have never been cool. I mean, maybe the three is kind of cool, I guess. But, like, the OG Giannis's, the Giannis ones sucked. The Kyrie's recently, before he got fired from Nike for hating Jews, like, those sucked too. Um, the Kyrie one was cool, but that's so long ago now. I mean, I don't know. Um, looking up some of the other Adidas ones right now. The Harden Volume 7s I like, but they're definitely, some people won't, and that's fine. Um... The Trey Young one is cool. I don't remember. It's like the next level is what they were called, the shoes that he used to wear before he got a signature shoe. Those were always cool. And they weren't technically Trey Young shoes, but he was the guy who wore them most. He was on all the marketing for them. I liked those. Um, I like the Dame 8s. Um, Trey Young, wait, okay. I don't know what Trey's on right now. He's on three. Trey Young 3. Three Youngs are cool. Um, and the next level things he wore before then were cool. Um, like I said, Nike's got the history. They got all the Jordan stuff behind them. Some of the OG basketball shoes from Nike were cool too. Um, obviously, Kobe's are sort of timeless. I never liked them personally. They're just a little bit, I don't know, they're a little bit like I like high top basketball shoes. More so, I'd say they're a little bit low profile for me. Um, I might hoop well in them, honestly, compared to everything else, because I'm not exactly a big dude, and low profile shoe might help me, but <coughs> I'm not good enough for it to really matter anyway. Um, I mean, that's just a take I have brewing. Adidas has low key been cooking Nike in the basketball shoe game recently. Um, and the Anthony Edwards won. It's part of that. Also, the merch looks sick. Um, I don't remember what it is. I just remember thinking that it looks sick. I need to now remember what it actually says. 
um, Anthony, gosh, I can't type, Edwards Merch. No, God damn it. Signature. Merch. Okay, well, this is just showing... God, okay, this is just showing me... This is just showing me signed memorabilia. That's not what I wanted. Let me, let me try Did I save a post on Instagram? Hopefully I did. Um, going into your saved pictures on Instagram, always a bit of an adventure. Um, <clears throat> nope, did not save it. All right, well... I was on... It was on Sneaker News. Was it not? God, those things are cool. Also, gum soles on all on. It seems like, or the soles on the um, on the sneakers are the same color as the little like mudguard foam thing. I like that. I'm a big gum sole fan, and as far as shoes goes in general. Um, oh, there here it is. Anthony Edwards like T-shirts have the Adidas symbol. His little seems like a signature symbol. Looks like an A, and it has believe that period. That's cool. I'm into it. Um, basketball emoji piece. 